you know, we all learn through sports what discipline is, what hard work is, communication, leadership. And so I think it's a really cool opportunity now to see different parts fill in, you know, psychology, mental health, all these things are starting to come together so that athletes are given more of a chance after sports to be well-rounded people. What up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Max McCoy, and this is Looking Up. Today, we have a different episode. I am the guest of this episode, not the host. So I was on someone else's podcast. I've been doing more of these lately, so I figured why not take those and maybe share them here every once in a while. It's kind of cool to maybe uh, have myself on the other end. I just thought it was fun. I thought it was cool, and maybe it gives you guys a better look as to who I am and why I do what I do. So on this episode, um, I'm interviewed by Anthony Pugh. He is the host of the Pugh Podcast. He follows me on Instagram. He's in the sports world, basketball specifically. So as a lot of you guys know, basketball is my background. So with Anthony on this talk, I'm interviewed and we talk about my journey, my story into the personal development world. Uh, And then we talk about how athletes specifically can optimize their minds for the sake of performance and beyond. Uh, Really fun episode, really fun conversation with Anthony. And uh, maybe you guys will like it. If you guys want more from me, I know I say this every time, subscribe to my email newsletter. In that, I send out resources, journal prompts, books, articles, videos, and reflections, things that I'm working on in real time. I try to send those out to my email community every Monday. So if you want more from me, if you want the stuff that I'm using in real time to keep my mind and my spirit sharp, consider joining the newsletter. And uh, that's it. (laughs) Without further ado. Enjoy this conversation. Again, I am the guest. This is a different type of episode, but we had fun. Hope you guys enjoy it. Here we go. Today I have Max McCoy joining me. And, you know, first thing first, you know, thank you. We were just trying to get something going on Zoom and things were getting kind of crazy. So we had to call an audible. So I (laughs) I appreciate you bearing with me. and, And I really, really do. I appreciate your time. So for those who don't know, Max, you know, he he's a guy that number one I'm interested in and that I really was you know wanting to talk to because he's all about psychology performance things like that he has a podcast called Looking Up it's it's really really good I want to talk to you a little bit about that too he's a content creator he's just a, l- a little bit of everything and first things first thank you man I I really really appreciate you taking the time cool man yeah happy to be here thanks for having me no problem so I, what I want to do first is just kind of let you you know give yourself a brief introduction for maybe those that don't know exactly who you are or kind of what you do and then mm-hmm. I want to just dive in I got like I said I got a lot of places I want to go and you know but first tell people kind of your background your story briefly if you wouldn't mind yeah like you I come from the basketball world man so that was my first passion my first love I I dedicated everything to it and it was a really cool vehicle for me to try to be the best version of myself I could be. And like I modeled people like Kobe Bryant and Steve Nash and these were guys that taught me so much about discipline and putting in the work and putting in repetition. And so since a young age, I've had a very big obsession with performance and kind of the ways in which I can optimize performance. And I really liked even from a young age trying to optimize my body, um, you know, making sure I took stretching serious and recovering serious. And, you know, we know guys like LeBron James now are investing millions of dollars into their recovery. And so I always kind of took note to that. Um, Beyond basketball, I played college ball for only one year, had an injury, transitioned out of the sport at 20 years old. And that's when I think a lot of my real big growth started to happen. I started to really take serious other things like, 
when you transition out of something that is your whole world, like basketball was for me, and you give it your whole heart, when that's not in your life anymore, a lot of things change. And so for me, I went through what a lot of people call like the dark night of the soul, where you are kind of lost. You don't know what's next. I don't know where I'm going in my life. Um, I was in college, but didn't know what I wanted to do. And there's so much pressure at that age between like 18 and 22 of what are you going to do? What are you going to study? What's your job going to be after this? And so there was all this pressure I put on myself, the pressure from the adults in my life putting on me. Um, there was this void in my life that basketball couldn't fill anymore. And so I really started turning to these personal development tools and ideas and perspectives and practices and really started to, to find myself in them. And I really started to think like, why were these tools and perspectives and practices never taught to me at a younger age? Why am I having to go dig myself or pull myself out of this hole? Why wasn't I ever taught things like how to take care of my mind and the nature of my emotions and and maybe that there are other options out there besides the ones that you know school tells you there are. And so a big part of my journey started from basketball, but really more so the transition out of it, how I found myself in that and the tools and perspectives that helped. And then being able to look back and say, I wish I had some of these perspectives while I was still playing basketball. You know, we're starting to see how mental health and mental performance really do come into sports. And so uh, I've loved helping athletes with the mental side of the game. Um, but now, you know, moving beyond basketball, I'm just super passionate, like, like you said, about all things psychology and kind of personal development, because I think it's what so many of us need but aren't receiving at a younger age. And so I've very much been dedicated to, like you said, all these different worlds and all these different projects I have going on. I would say the common theme is I am learning and doing the work that I thought I needed at a younger age and I'm trying to be that person for myself that I didn't have if that makes sense yeah that makes a ton of sense and and I know that you did a lot of stuff with David Nurse who is the guy that is has been a mentor to me we've never met but I know we communicate sometimes I'm gonna get him you know on eventually I know he just released his book so things are kind of wild for him right now but he's kind of the guy that I want to be like you, you know I was listening to your podcast you had on um, your 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 most recent one about how books can help you understand you know if you want to be like that person go read a book about them or a book they wrote or you know something like that and that's kind of my approach I'm taking with a guy like David and and that's something like I said that I was really interested about in about you but something I want to talk to you about since I brought up that last podcast about the books when did you start you know really really reading books and more importantly. When did you start reading to understand the books? Because I know that's a big thing you guys also talked about in, in that podcast was we all could go read a book or listen to a book, but how long does that information stay with us? Probably not that long, right? So when did you really start taking it seriously, I guess we could put it, and, and read books? And then how were you able to apply that you know, like to your daily life? Mm. Well, speaking of David Nurse, you should go get his book, Pivot and Go. It yep. just came out. I have to plug my friend. David's yeah, a good really. friend. So that's awesome. that you, he's, he's one of the most positive guys. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, the books, it was, like I said in the introduction, I finished with basketball. I was very lost. I would say that was like the most lost I've ever been. And I started to be like, okay, what might be next? And I started to really think about the people I admire. You know, if you're lost in life and you there's all this pressure on what do you want to do with your life? 
instead of like looking for the exact thing, maybe just start learning from the people that you naturally gravitate to. Like for you, David Nurse. For me, it was Kobe Bryant because I loved basketball. Um, Tim Ferriss, who is like an author, entrepreneur, podcaster. I just love his approach to performance and self-learning. And then the third was like Steve Jobs. For some reason, you know, he's this mythical entrepreneur character at a young age. I thought he was cool. So I studied these guys and I just would read articles about these guys. And I realized they all had this like one thing in common, which was they all meditated. And I was like, you know, meditation is kind of a weird thing. It's kind of a woo-woo thing. And this was five years ago. So it's a little more normal now. But um, the first thing I did was like, okay, I'll learn about that. If all three of the guys that I think are, you know, the people I want to be more like, you know, and they had this entrepreneurial life, let me start reading about this thing that they all talk about, which was meditation. So I got my first book. Um, it was like a kind of a Zen like Buddhism book, um, when I was 20 years old. And that was the first book that I would say, I was like, treated it like, Oh my gosh, this is a, I just read a book and I'm a different person now. And I had never felt that before because in school and in life, people are telling you what to read and you're just kind of like, okay, I'll read it, but you're not into it. And I think it really starts to change for myself and for anybody is when you take that book and you start applying it and you actually start seeing ways that the the pages that you're reading can impact your life today. And so for me, once that I saw that happen, that I realized was a repeatable outcome. That is something that whatever I want to get better at, in this case, it was meditation, but then it went on to be creativity and then entrepreneurship and then, you know, mindset and personal development, health, anything I wanted to get better at. <clears throat> there was a book out there that I could find and really start applying to my life immediately. So it was really, once I started finding personal development books, really like not reading novels, which I know have benefits for people and you know, reading novels are great. It wasn't reading textbook. It wasn't reading scientific literature. It was for me taking an author's piece of writing. Um, and if you think about it, an author spent years and years, decades con condensing all their work into sometimes just 200 pages, which is so hard to do, to condense all the work you've ever done in your life to 200 pages. That means they've really refined it for me and they've cut out all the BS for me. And so I'm just taking the best parts and then they've made it really easy for me to implement into my life. And so I started reading, once I started reading personal development books, man, that's when it all changed. And that was about five years ago. Yeah, and so let me ask you this. The last thing about the books I want to ask you: if I'm a yeah. play, if I'm a player right now, or even a coach, you know, w w whatever the case may be, even a person, you know, just someone trying to get better, w what books would you recommend? Let's say, g give me give me top three of books that mm. you'd recommend for for the everyday person, an athlete, a coach, you know, whatever. Generally speaking, hmm. that's a, I mean, that's always a hard question because um, on that podcast you listened to, we did talk about this idea that. One thing that's difficult with people is, and why they might not like reading initially is because you'll just say, oh, I don't like reading. What book do you like? You know, um, And your taste and my taste can be so different. True. And so if, if you give me your favorite book and I hate it, that often will leave me saying, oh, see, like I'm not a reader. But that's not the case. And so I will encourage, as Nick did on my podcast, people to think of who do you admire um, and go read a book about them or go read a book written about them. If not them, if that's not the case, and if you don't have someone in mind, maybe go think of a skill that you want to get really good at, whether it's like a mindset. I want to be better mindset-wise in basketball, or I want to be better, I want to be more creative, or I want to be a better communicator. 
and then go Google top books for blank, whatever that thing you want to get better at is, pick one of the, the top books and then read that and you'll be able to apply that knowledge into your life immediately and you'll see the benefits and you'll be like, oh my gosh, this book can apply directly to my life. But if I had to, I'm going to answer your question. I'm not going <laughs> to dance around it. I would say um, Stillness is the Key. Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday is a really easy read. It's short chapters and it's a really good overview book um, about Stoic philosophy, which is basically like ancient wisdom from all the great kings and warriors in history kind of followed this philosophy and it's all about how stillness can improve your life, your performance, and anything you want to do. And it's really practical. So I would say that book. And uh, for athletes, high performers, coaches, that's a good, really good book. In terms of everyday person and a book that was really influential for me, especially early on, I think, like I said, there's all this pressure about what you're going to do with your life and where you're going in life and needing to have all the answers. A book I really like, which is actually a fiction it's a fable type book is The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Um, it's, I'd say, still like my favorite of all time. Super simple read. It's about a young man finding his way. It's about a young man finding his treasure. Um, as uncertain as he is, he just is following the signs. And he, be he begins to learn that he's being led. And that is a, a book that's really been impactful for me. So those are the two I would start with, start with, with, with no context to what the listener yeah. wants. I would give them those two for sure. Yeah, no, that, that was a, that was a trap question. That was a tough question for you. I was wondering, <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to say. If you had anything since then, I was thinking, I don't know if I should ask him this, but we'll, we'll see what he says. Cause I literally heard you say, you know, everyone's yeah. different. Everyone's different on that podcast. And I was like, ah, uh, I'll try yeah. it. But yeah, why not? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But now, kind of transitioning, but staying on the same topic, I know you're big into journaling, and, mm -hmm. and that's something that I've actually just started to do, and, and I, I've tried to, you know, I've tried to follow some different things, and, you know, but I've, personally, I'm not sure how you do it, but I'm obviously gonna, would like to know, but I personally just kind of like to open the book and just write. You know, yeah. some days, you know, I could write a whole page, two pages, three, you know, whatever. Some days I write a couple sentences, you know, just what's, what's going on, you know, what's going on in my life, what maybe something I have to do that day or that week, just kind of let it all out, you know, and that's mm. something that everyone does it differently. I know I've, I spoke to a few people about like writing three things you're grateful for, three things you want to do today, you know, five things that you need to accomplish by the end of the week. You know, everyone's different. It's very individual, but you personally how do you like to do that? And what does that look like for you in terms of when you do it, maybe the environment you're in? I know for me, you know, part of my morning routine is I come down, I read the Daily Stoic every morning. That's one of my, it's nice. one of my, so I wouldn't consider that a book, but, you know, I guess I could, but I, 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 I like reading that every morning. So I'll read that and then I'll journal as soon as I get hmm. back from working out because that's something I really like to try to get my headspace, headspace right for the day. Now, that's awesome. What does what does yours look like? How, how do you do that? Hmm. So my journaling practice um, evolves, and for me, like I'm big about having a daily practice that cultivates my mind and my spirit. I call I kind of put those two in the same category. So um, making sure whatever it is I'm doing, I'm spending you know at least 30 minutes a day, kind of dialing myself in and calibrating myself so that the rest of the day I'm not in this reaction mode. I'm like. I'm in the driver's seat of my own life. Journaling is one of my favorite ways to do that. It's like you said, there's so many ways to go about it. It can help you cultivate gratitude. It can help you overcome fear. It can help you with productivity. And so 
I've got my journaling practice so dialed in that I can go to my journal saying, what outcome am I looking for right now? And I can almost reverse engineer that. And I have all these processes through questions I ask myself, through prompts, through exercises that I've accumulated over the years that I can really go to my journal and say, okay, today I just need to be productive. And I'll ask myself thought-provoking questions, something like, you know, what is the one thing that get, needs to get done today? No matter what, what is the only thing I need to focus on today and everything else is extra? That's like a productivity question. But to give you a better answer in terms of like my journaling practice when I'm really full-fledged, it's kind of like what you said, man. I just sit down and write. And if people are kind of like, oh, journaling is kind of weird or like uh, I don't see how that would help me, journaling is one of those tools that essentially just splits your mind wide open. And you have this unconscious going on throughout your day and you have these thoughts bouncing around all day. And there's tools like meditation that can kind of help you drop into a more calm state. But journaling is so powerful because it really allows you to see your thoughts on paper. And that's one of the most powerful things. I'm sure you've experienced this when you sit down, you think, um, you know, you're stressed about this one thing. You sit down, you write about it, and then you you realize you just wrote you know, a page or two pages and you realize there's all these other things coming out of you that you didn't expect. And that is kind of you giving your subconscious mind the opportunity to come out while journaling. So I would say the foundation of my practice, and I don't do it every day anymore, but I definitely recommend people at least play with this in some area of their life, whether it's in the morning, like you do it, or before bed is another good time to do it. Because if you journal before bed, you're getting those thoughts out of your head and on the paper, which allows you to almost fall asleep easier because you're not in your head. But just sit down and commit to, I'm going to write one full page or two full pages. And even though I sit down and I don't know what I'm going to write about before I sit down, just write and force yourself to keep moving your pen on paper. And the more you do that, the more you'll see, I don't need to know what I'm going to write about. The simple act of showing up with my pen and paper and writing is going to allow my subconscious to come out it's going to allow my thoughts to get out of my head and onto paper and man that is so powerful because you'll start to have clarity as to what's going on in your head and you'll start to see patterns you know if you do this for two weeks you might see after three five six days oh i I seemingly have these anxious tendencies i seem to get scared of the same things i seem to always be stressed about the future um And you'll start to be able to almost talk to yourself. You'll be able to talk to your subconscious mind, you know, start to put perspective on the things that you feel like are such a big deal. There's this weird thing that happens that when you journal about something in your head, it feels so important and stressful and fearful. But then the second you get it onto paper, you're able to see it objectively. It's like if you were to tell me your problems, I could give you some really good advice. But I have I have trouble giving myself advice because my problems feel so much bigger. They feel emotionally charged. So journaling allows me to see my problems as if they were someone else's and I can give myself advice on the journal. So, um, so many benefits, man. But I would say, yeah, the foundation of my practice isn't any container rather than it's just sitting down and writing. It's just getting myself to do it. And, you know, I've gone months and months well, where I'll do something called the morning pages. Uh, and the first thing in the morning, I'll sit down and I'll write, you know, multiple full pages of writing without thinking. It's called stream of consciousness writing. And you just express whatever's on your mind on the paper. And it's so powerful, especially if you can do that consistently. 
there are studies, there are scientific studies proving that it can help reduce anxiety. It can help improve um, overall sense of well-being. It helps you process trauma. Um, it helps, you know, productivity. Like there are studies to this. And so super powerful practice that if anybody in my community follows me, they know I'm passionate about it because for me, it's been that Swiss army knife tool that uh, has allowed me so much freedom in my mind and then everything else I do. Yeah. And everything you just said was extremely powerful, especially when you mentioned the idea of that pen to paper, that there's something, even when I was, you know, in school, people would have laptops and they'd have computers. And I was always a note taker with a, with a notebook, you know, and mm. then, and then you move forward and how do you, I'm a big goal guy, you know, and one of the most effective ways, you know, I studied goals when I was in school. One of the most effective ways to achieve a goal is to write it down. You know, yeah. and that's something I tell my players all the time that I work with or even people in general. If you really want to do something, you got to do one of two things. You got to put it out there. You know, you got to put it out in the universe, tell someone, you know, to hold you accountable or, you know, my recommended would be write it down. You know, if you, mm. if you, if you really, there's something like you said about that simple pen to paper and just kind of write it down and then you have it somewhere where you look at it and that holds you accountable it's very, very, very powerful in my opinion. That kind of transitions me to my next question then. And you kind of briefly mentioned it, but why, why psychology? You know, what, what was so interesting to you that that, that mm. kind of pulled you and attracted you? Hmm. Cool question. Um, sometimes the best questions are so simple, you know, I'm yeah. like, huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, my mom was a social worker growing up. And so she definitely was, um, that had a huge psychology component to it. She was really aware of people and my mom was really she could tell me you know if someone like say was on the autistic scale and I couldn't even notice it she would be like oh yeah like he's on the scale or this person must have this and so she was really good at identifying people and then attaching their behavior to some sort of thought pattern or even if it was like a, um, a you know some sort of disorder they had or you know so I always found that interesting and I, I want to give that credit because I do think like I wouldn't think like this if I didn't have a mom from a young age pointing out, you know, the different why, the different whys to people were the way they were. And I thought that was fascinating. Why is this person like that? Why is that person like that? I also have had, you know, um, my old, younger brother has been incredibly mentally ill for the majority of my life. He's had an incredibly challenging life, incredibly uh, difficult challenges with mental health. And my older sister as well has suffered with, you know, severe, severe depression. Uh, I've even gone through bits of depression. And so with the mom being like labeling that and giving it symptoms and almost identifying it as like a because of her traditional background in school, she would be quick to label my siblings as sick. And she would tell us, you know, this is just like a chemical imbalance. You were probably born this way. And that's kind of the old mold and the old methodology to psychology, I would say. I think that's outdated, you know, but bless her heart. That's what she learned. That's what she studied. So she was just giving her children the best of her knowledge. But I grew up, you know, intuitively feeling like that wasn't right. And I didn't feel like my younger brother and my older sister were just born that way. I did I did feel like life circumstances and the way they grew up and getting addicted to certain thought patterns really had a big part as to why they were the way 
the way they were. And then when I, I would say after graduating college, <clears throat> I had almost similarly to finishing basketball, graduating college was similar in that it left me feeling like, now what? Uh, and I dropped pretty low at 22 years old and went to the doctor because my mom was like, oh, you should probably just go make sure, you know, you don't have any chemical imbalances. And so I went to the doctor and within five minutes, this doctor prescribes me very, very strong antidepressants. He didn't ask me about my diet. He didn't ask me about my lifestyle, my sleep. He just said, oh, you're sad sometimes? Yeah, yeah. Are you ever anxious in social situations? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have trouble sleeping sometimes? And I would argue that every person listening to this would say yes to those questions. We're all sad sometimes. We'll all get socially anxious sometimes, and we all have trouble sleeping sometimes. And so right on the spot, he prescribed me antidepressants. And that really turned me, I'm so grateful for that because that turned me into kind of an investigator. What was I just prescribed? Why is he telling me to take these? Um, and, you know, so I started doing research on uh, SSRIs, which are antidepressants, which, you know, like up to, I think, almost 40% of the population are taking those. You know, my younger brother was on them since he was 15 years old. Same with my sister. And so, and they were hooked. They can't get off of those now. So I was fascinated by that. And I decided to not take the medication I was prescribed. Um, and that led me down this deep, deep wormhole of what makes people, you know, chemically like what affects our neurochemicals and our neurochemistry, what impacts like just the way we feel about life, maybe beyond a chemical level. And so that really, it was this combination between my mom's perspective on the psyche, how I felt like that was really allowed me to get curious about it, but then also wanting to stray away from her generation's approach of chemical imbalances and the traditional medication system. And so, yeah, man, that has been uh yeah, just my story, man. That's like that's what got me excited about psychology. And then, so you took obviously took that from a personal standpoint. Now, as far as performance goes, is that just in your background in terms of athletics because of basketball or things like that? So then, when that happens, so that moment happens, right? And, and you're really intrigued by it. Did your mindset go to okay, if I can figure this out, you know, in in an everyday life situation? Is there a way that I could also help athletes in terms of performance, whether that's mm. on the court or in whatever sport they may be in? Mm. Yeah, so starting with basketball, like I said, that was my initial obsession with performance. Mm -hmm. And obviously the mental side of that is a part of it. And so when I was playing basketball, the whole mental side I was trying to cultivate was that Mamba, Kobe Bryant like mentality, just an absolute warrior, like mind over matter. And then transitioning out of basketball – the the obsession with psychology really blossomed and so i was like why are some people happy and why are some people depressed and um and like i said to start the conversation everything i do is almost kind of looking back at younger max who he was and what he needed and trying to almost help him with that i would say definitely i i realized that man all that i'm learning in the psychology world imagine if max while he was playing basketball knew this it would have helped his performance and in teaching people that are in athlete, like when you're an athlete, you're willing to learn anything to get better. That's why Kobe adopted meditation. It wasn't so he could become like this centered, grounded person. It was because he wanted to do anything he could to be the best basketball player he could. But I would argue his meditation practice served him far beyond basketball. And that's why he went on to be such a grounded, well-rounded person. That's why he could 
dive into those creative ideas. That's why he was one of the best examples as to what transitioning out of sports looks like. And so I would look back and say, not only will these practices that I'm learning can help my psychology, not only would that help younger Max just be a, a better version of Max and would have helped him transition through life a little more seamlessly, but it would have helped his performance too. And so I think recognizing that it's a good way to reach people. It's saying, hey, take this tool. It's really going to help you be a better athlete, which is what you care about. And then when you're done with that sport, when you're done with that container, it'll serve you after too. Um, and I think, you know, we all learn through sports what discipline is, what hard work is, communication, leadership. And so I think it's a really cool opportunity now to see different parts fill in, you know, psychology, mental health, um, all these things are starting to come together so that athletes are given more of a chance after sports to be well-rounded people. Now, let me ask you this. As an athlete, and again, this is a loaded question, but as an For athlete, sure. if if I'm trying to adopt some of these practices we've been talking about, whether that's journaling, meditation, reading, whatever the case may be, where do I start? Because I get that question all the time. Because guys like me and you, you know, we've been doing a lot of that for a while. Meditation is something I'm still playing with. I'm not gonna lie. I, it's tough for me to. It's tough for me to relax. You know, it's tough for me to to really try to clear my mind and really do that. And so I'm working on that. But journaling things like that, you tell them what you do, and to someone who's never done that, they look at you like I can't do that. You know, like you know what? what I can't go write three pages. <laughs> you know, every morning or four pages. So. Number one, I guess, would be what? how would you list them in terms of priority? And then number two, how do you attack each of them? You know, how do you kind of start, in, in essence, how do you walk before you can run? That's a good question. So I love James Clear. He's the author of Atomic Habits. And he says that, you know, one of the most effective ways to build a new habit isn't to, like you said, start with the big, you know, I'm going to write five pages a day. If you want to run a marathon, you don't start by – and you don't run. You don't start by practicing the marathon. You start by running for one minute a day, for a week, and then maybe two minutes a day, for a week, and then three minutes a day, for a week. And then, you know, after a month, you can start to build the identity of someone who runs. Even if you only run for a few minutes a day, if you do it every single day, after a month, the biggest thing that you want to accomplish in that first month of a new habit is to change your identity. So for you, if meditation is very difficult, I would encourage you, you know, meditate for one minute a day. And then after a month, someone asks, hey, do you meditate? You would say, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I meditate. Like, I don't do it super long, but I meditate every single day. And your identity is now tied with that habit. And that gives you a better chance moving forward to really allow that habit to impact your life. So with athletes specifically, totally like this is a lot. But I think athletes, if we give them more credit, they intuitively know that they want to improve their mindset. It's what holds so many people back from being at that level of performance they want to be at. So journaling and meditation, I would say, are the two big ones. Um, you hit them. Meditation specifically, like you said, it can be difficult. It's the hardest one because we are so trained to be in this reactionary mode, almost this, it's called a you know, sympathetic, it's like a stress response. We're always kind of like up, you know, breathing up here and hyperventilative type we're really reactionary. Meditation is difficult because you're trying to sit with yourself and basically train yourself to down-regulate and just like breathe and relax. And training ourselves to relax is very difficult. But I would offer you the perspective of, you know, I have a dog and 
training that dog when he was a puppy taught me a lot about, you know, training myself and that you just have to show up consistently. Like if you're training a dog or a horse or an animal, you don't expect to sit down with that wild animal and expect them to be super calm right away. But if you sit down with that, that wild horse, you know, every day for five minutes, the first week, he might just be ridiculous, but you're still going to do it because you know he's getting more comfortable with you. And then maybe the second week, he gets a little less crazy. So I would say with meditation, the low-hanging fruit and where to start, a good place to start is, you know, one, have the perspective that it's going to be difficult to sit down with yourself and in your mind for five to ten minutes a day. And that's okay. And the fact that it's difficult doesn't mean it's not working. So give it time to work. Um, I would say the easiest place to start is to use guided meditations. So guided meditations is where you put on your headphones and there's a professional talking you through exactly what to do. I think that takes away a lot of the thinking, like, am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? You will have all doubts removed. You just sit down, you put your headphones in and follow the instructions. It's like going to the gym for the first time. It's a good idea to have a trainer or a spotter so that you know you're not going to hurt yourself. You're not going to hurt yourself with meditation. There's no wrong way to do it, but it's helpful to have someone there guiding you. And those guided meditations, you could literally Google or YouTube 10-minute guided meditation. I would say 10 minutes a day with meditation is the easiest place to start. And then with journaling, maybe try every night before. So meditation is a great morning thing to really anchor yourself to start the day in a more put yourself in the driver's seat, make sure you're the driver of your mind, 10 minutes in the morning. Um, I would challenge you to do it before you like scroll on Instagram because it's very hard to get silent in your head after scrolling on Instagram. I, I'm talking to myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> but, and then journaling, try, try to write a half a page before bed. One, like half a page, no matter what you're going to write about. Before bed, you know, you're winding down, you do whatever you got to do, you put your phone away, you, your alarm's on for the day. Now write a half a page. You could write about the day you just had. You could write about maybe something that you're worried about. You could write what you're grateful about. And I would argue that you might end up writing more than a half a page. But going back to that James Clear example, if you just write half a page every day and do that for months, like you are going to see the benefits and it's going to become a part of your identity. And I think you're going to start to see real results. And these might sound like simple and easy and like, oh, like, you know, but no, like these will impact your performance. If you're an athlete and you're meditating and you're learning to quiet your mind, that is going to be so beneficial to how you play on the court. If you get upset on the court when you're, when the ref makes a bad call or you make a bad shot or you miss a bad shot or, you know, you have a turnover or like your teammates doing something like funky and those are moments that you are being offered to get off of your axis and you're you're essentially getting lost in thought and then you're stuck in the mistake or you're stuck ruminating about it. But that meditation practice is going to help you come back to the present moment and focus on the next play. Cause it, that's easier said than done. When people say, Hey, just focus on the next play. Every basketball player knows it's not that easy. You have to train yourself to do that. That is a muscle to be able to come back to let go of distractions. Meditation is like a bicep curl for your brain, teaching you how to come back to the present moment and letting and teaching you how to let go of distractions. And to be able to let go of distractions is going to serve you in every aspect of your life. And then journaling is going to help kind of regulate your emotions and just kind of keep you in a more grateful, like you said, grounded state. And I would argue that anybody in a grateful, happy, little, a little more light state plays better. People who are in a good mood play better at basketball than when they're depressed. So 
it's just a good way to regulate emotions. And I think those two book ending the day, a meditation in the morning and a journaling at night is a surefire way to like up your mental performance for sure. I love that. And I'm definitely going to start doing that with my meditation because I've tried so many different things. You know, I've tried the guided meditation has seemed to, to help more than trying to do it on my own. Cause I've talked to some people and they've tried to give me some advice and, and I've struggled with it because like I said, it's hard for me to, to turn it off. You know, there's so many mm-hmm. things and journaling helps with that, but not as much as the meditation would. So I know I'm going to take mm-hmm. some of that advice for sure. Now, last cool. question I got for you. We kind of already touched on it, but maybe if you could think of something different, you know, maybe you could think of something different, that'd be nice. If not, you know, it is what it is. Now, what what is one non-negotiable thing that you do every day? You know, it could be like a habit or a routine. Obviously, we talked about journaling, meditation, things like that, but maybe something different than that. And it could be something little that, you know, maybe has nothing to do with that. Just something I feel like we all have, you know, that thing, whether it's subconscious or not. You know, some maybe you wake up, or, you know, during the day you do something every day that you don't even realize you're doing. You know, if it's going on a walk or, you know, maybe going and oh. ha- going out to eat with your mom. I don't know. You know, everyone's different. But what's that one thing for you? And like I said, if maybe we could try to keep it away from mm. what we've been, just been talking about because obviously those are kind of givens. Totally. So I have a dog. So the, I, every single day, man, I'm walking that dog multiple times a day, playing with him. Uh, he's a good, like you could do everything right. You could have the right diet. You could be dialed in doing your meditation. You could be disciplined, hitting your goals. But if there's not some play factor in your life, if there's not some part of your life that makes you smile and laugh, I feel like for me, at least it's easy to feel like, what am I doing this for? Like, like where's the benefit of putting all this work in if I'm not enjoying my life? And so my dog is a really good way for me to take life a little less serious and go play and play tug of war. That's why I have this thing on my nose. He, he headbutted me yesterday, <laughs> but I walk him every day, man. And that's a non-negotiable and that just gets me out of my head. And then I wear this watch and every day at five 30, uh, something buzzes on it. I don't know why, but I've taken that to be my cue to pray. And I'm not, I didn't grow up religious and, uh, but I, have gotten so much more connected with like my spirituality, you know, since that age of like 22, like I said, when I was most lost, I found really good. Um, I've, that is like one of the most important things in my life is my relationship to my inner guide, my inner spirit. And, and so around five 30 every day, I will just pray. And it's sometimes praying for me just means, you know, I didn't grow up religious. So I honestly, this is all just like what I have found to make me feel good about my life is sometimes prayer is just like, thank you for the day I've been having. Like today was awesome. Sometimes when I'm having a bad day, prayer is just like, can you just take these problems? And like, I'm going to trust that something greater than me is taking care of them and just surrendering control and, or thanking is for me just super nourishing and, and makes me feel like puts me back in a more grounded place. Cause sometimes we're in our heads and we feel like our world is just so big and Doing something like that where it takes me out of myself and, and looks to something greater than myself, I've found to be like a non-negotiable and super helpful. I love it. I love it. I really, really appreciate you coming on, man. It means a lot. That does it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening to Looking Up. I so appreciate you lending your time and your ear. There are so many things that you could be listening to. There's so much noise out there. So the fact that you have landed here is very special to me. If you would like more from me, I send out emails every Monday. Things that I'm working on and using in real time to keep my mind and my spirit sharp. 
things like journal prompts, book recommendations, videos, podcasts, articles, and reflections. If you want that, I would love to send you an email and have a little bit more of an intimate connection with you. So if that sounds of interest to you, I'll put a link below in the show notes. And besides that, thank you for listening to Looking Up. Share this podcast with someone you love. Share this with your mom, your dog, your friend, your roommate, your grandma, whoever might like it. Uh, Subscribe, of course. Leave a review. Those are the ways that you can support me, my work, and the show. And that's it. I hope you guys have a fantastic day. And I will see you on the next episode. Peace.